This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Modern Geek, podcast number 64, recorded November 12th, 2012. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. Welcome back to Modern Geek, the Juan's Raid is Screwed Up edition. (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. Hey. Hey, where was last week's episode? Well, (laughs) actually, this is is fun because... um, you know, uh, both both Juan and I run these fairly significant sized uh, Juan designed raid software raid setups for home servers, mm-hmm. and uh, Juan has me- I up until now I held sort of the uh, record for <laughs> <laughs> for failed number of drives at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the raid six arrays for those aren't into. Uh, raid redundancy raid six has two spare drives so actually you have to fail three of them before you can lose any data uh i had the benefit being is if one drive fails you still have another backup one to fail onto and then you still have some space before you start losing data right so you know if you have one drive fail which is a pretty common thing actually you're replacing one drive and even while you're rebuilding to that drive you're still redundant you're still protected and uh but I managed to not only so I had a drive fail, no big deal. Yep. Uh, I go to swap the drive in, and I don't put power back to one of the drives, simulating a two drive <laughs> failure. Yeah. Uh, which we rebuilt and got away with, but one managed to fail. Count them three, three drives. Now were they and, actual failures? Okay. Yes, they're all actual failures. I've confirmed it with you know hard drive maintenance, utilities, uh, internal testing, that kind of thing. So what happened is I had one drive fail, and it was shortly after I had replaced another failed drive. Um, Incidentally, as a side note, I am taking the Western Digital green drives off of my recommended list (laughs) because every one of the four drives that has failed in this array ever has been a Western Digital one. So I would still stick with the uh, Seagate or Seagate uh, um, low-power versions or if you have to maybe the full 7200 rpm western digital caviar ones the the higher end ones hmm. but the green ones i I'm, I'm sitting with here with a pile of uh western digital green drives and i've already replaced one so i'm gonna take them off the list you know <laughs> <laughs> so i had had one fail right and i was i i had I had an rma one coming back um in the meantime, I, the, the, the raid was running with one drive failed, and I was okay. And then I, I figured, ah, I'll get around to it, and you know, I'd let a month or two go by. Uh-oh. Wow, and wow. then last weekend, <laughs> I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go fix that, because that's an unsafe thing to do, is to run with a drive failed. <laughs> the only problem is, is that when I rebooted... Another one of the drives had an I.O. error, and it wasn't just like it wasn't up in time or something. I actually saw the I.O. error. It had bad sector, so it kicked it out of the raid. So I'm down to five. Uh, um, of I'm seven. down to seven out of nine drives, right? Right. Seven of nine. It's fine. And I'm like, okay, now I really have to get this rebuild going, right? 
So I get the rebuild started, and it's and it's taking the new drive and it's building the six, uh, the eighth drive's worth of information, right? Right. And it gets to literally like uh, three to ten megabytes from the end of the drive, and it has hard drive error, hard drive error, hard drive error, and another drive falls off the line. And no. because the one I was rebuilding wasn't technically done, you know, it had five more megabytes to go out of t- uh, terabyte and a half. Um, you were failed. It, yeah, it failed, too, because it's like, I can't resync this thing. And I'm, I wake up. Uh, <laughs> I wake up to an email saying, you know, uh, fail state, right? I'm like, OK, well, it, maybe it failed from seven out of drives to eight out drives. You know, it's, it's a very generic message. Yeah. I'm not too worried about it. And I look at it and I see three gaps in the raid. I'm like, uh-oh. No. What did I have on there? <laughs> because I've just been throwing data on here, not really caring too much. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't need to back stuff up. That's not a problem, right? You know, I, I, I'm better than that. I'll replace a failed drive. I know how to reassemble a raid. <sighs> you so, definitely know how to reassemble a raid now. Oh crap! I I took a crash course in uh, emergency raid mechanics. I I had to force that one that failed while I was rebuilding the other one back online, clear its fail state, and just bring it up with those seven drives. And every time I tried diagnostics, I tried you know marking the sectors as bad. But every time I tried rebuilding, I'd get this. You know, sorry, no, that last five five megabytes isn't going to go. So. What I did is I formatted um, the new drive that I was putting in, which was, in, uh, thankfully, it was a two terabyte drive. Uh, I normally have 1.5s in there, but I bought a two because it was cheaper. And I, you know, loaded as much of my critical data onto there. I do have some backed up elsewhere, and I have some at, at your place, actually, Chuck. And <laughs> I... I went through and cleared out about a terabyte's worth of data I didn't even need. Like it was old backups of my Mac and that kind of stuff that was just sitting there that I hadn't, you know, it was the, you know, the sort me under the crap folder, under the sort this folder, under the, you know, like all of these layers of sort me folders going back as I found to files that dated back to my like Windows 95 and Windows 98 machines. (laughs) I, I, and so I copied all the critical data off of there as much of my, you know, personal media collection and stuff that i have and i had to start from scratch and now this array is running on seven drives um but it's built as a seven drive raid six so lower capacity but still with that two drive can fail setup so i think the lesson to be learned here there are a couple uh yeah the obvious ones that we'll just get out of the way are that uh, uh redundancy is not backup we all know, we know this, but knowing and knowing two different I things. I really know it now. <laughs> um, the other, of course, is that uh, the whole point of RAID is to give you some chance of possibly recovering when you have problems like this. Right. It does not mean that it'll be easy. I think I think a lot of times people imagine that that with a RAID you just uh, push a button and the drive pops out, and then you stick another drive in the hole, and bang, you're done, and it's all yeah. fine. And even on the fairly automated systems like like the Drobo and things like that, it's not that yeah. simple. There's a rebuild period, and and sometimes degraded performance during the rebuild. And you know, for for relatively custom systems like ours, it can involve a pretty significant invest in uh, investment in hardware 
dinking around time and software dinking around time to get it back online. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing that I was a little worried about that I, kind of bit me in the butt was I did buy an, a large number of these drives at the same time, uh, yeah. which also means that they all fail at the same time. So the other thing that I would probably recommend and what I'm probably going to have to start doing is, you know, set up a rotation cycle. If you've got seven drives, you know, over the course of a year, you may want to swap them out <laughs> or a year or two, you know. You know, just always have different aged drives in there, even if it means, you know, taking it down every so often and doing a rebuild because I didn't know I had other hard drive problems and still, until I started trying to read that data. Uh, Fun stuff. <sighs> oh, yeah. Uh, th- this is literally, this is also why there hasn't been any updates on my uh, YouTube channel because all of my hard drive space was taken up with <laughs> other data. Uh, every single hard drive that was spared the house was used <laughs> and I'm still copying stuff back from it. So, I mean, I've recorded a little two minute, like, Hey, here's what's going on. I don't have enough hard drive space to record more than five minutes for my YouTube channel. So see ya. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I was telling anybody I talked to about this is that all of the time you save with convenience of having <coughs> all of your data in one location, sorry for coughing there, uh, all of your data in one location and, and the convenience of it being redundant and everything, all of that time saved, I'm now paying that back <laughs> <laughs> over this last week. It's like, yeah, you know, it, I, I still think it's a good way to go. Um, I'm slightly changing my setup as well. Like, um, I'm probably not going to need to expand my array back out because I am not backing up other stuff to that drive anymore, that RAID. I'm just putting them on regular drives because I don't really need backups of data with redundancy you know what i mean absolutely so the redundant the redundancy is like on say the gwc server it has it has a raid one in there which means two drives mirrored so if one drive fails then whatever two drives fails then i have the backup but i don't need the backup to be raid six so i just put that on a regular drive on my other servers <laughs> indeed so oh, by the end of the year headache. rebuild and uh better backup system it's gonna be awesome yeah, I think my next uh, next several personal purchases will just be hard drives and rotating them out. <laughs> so on a happier note, I have mm-hmm. a cool little service that I've, I've been playing around with a little bit. I don't know if you have as well. Uh, it's called Ift. Ift. Yeah. I-F- yeah well, how is that spelled? <laughs> I-F-T-T-T. Uh, I-F-T-T-T. They say it's pronounced like gift without the G. Okay. And uh, yeah. here's, here's the deal. Here's their description of what IFT is. <laughs> nice, huh? <laughs> Come on. I can't right. tell you what IFT is. I must show you. <laughs> you have to see it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so essentially, they describe it as a service that lets you create powerful connections with a simple statement. If this, then that. That's what they call a recipe. What this does is it lets you plug into all sorts of web serviceable uh things you can do like Evernote and Facebook and email and uh, and LinkedIn and Twitter and who knows what else. There are 56 different channels, they call them, uh, oh, okay. which are the uh, which are the this portion. Uh, the this portion has one of these channels and a trigger and a trigger is something that you can do with one of these various things. Like, for example, uh, the one they give you is being tagged in a photo on Facebook. Okay. Like when you're tagged, so a trigger could be when I'm tagged in a photo on Facebook, 
uh, then you do something with an action. This is the that part of it. And uh, they have these things called ingredients, which are bits of information that you can get from the uh, the trigger. Like, for example, being tagged in a photo, you can get the photo as one, as, a, as, okay. as an ingredient. Oh, right, right, right. And then uh, you can do things with them. It, with Again, these actions apply to the same kind of channels. So, like, for example, you could say, when I'm tagged in a photo, uh, take that and, and uh, send me an email about it or send me an SMS or uh, or... Uh, add a, there are some pretty crazy put it in a feed or absolutely. Yeah. It can, it can handle RSS feeds and, and people get pretty damn creative with these things. I mean, the kinds of stuff cool it is actually. Yeah. Incidentally, it can add things to Google docs, for example. So for example, if we wanted to, for this, we could say, add a line to a Google doc whenever I star something in Google reader. Oh crap. You're not. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah, and I'm just looking at some of the channels. I mean, there's like a whole bunch of crap. Oh, here's that, that's an interesting one. Facebook pages. Actually, that could be useful for me. For like right now, I'm using some uh, Facebook plugin to post when I uh, release a YouTube video. Yeah, not to mention it'll plug into Hootsuite as well. Uh, so yeah, there's there's just all kinds of crap. Notice that they have the uh, Wemo switches. Which are we, those those little uh, Belkin uh, internet accessible power switches? Oh, right. right and incidentally, right, right. it works both ways. So, like, you can say, "Oh, it's got the motion sensors in there too." Yeah, like there's nothing to stop you from saying when I like when somebody tags me in a Facebook post, turn my lamp on at home. Right. I mean, it's pretty damn cool. You could do some really. Uh, here's a link. Yeah, when I detect motion at home, give me a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool it this does, is really cool uh yeah so there there it's a very simple idea with an imperial crap load of application google calendar is one of the things that's plugged in yeah so you can you can for example say whenever there is a calendar entry that contains this uh grab this you know send me the weather SMS yeah. me the weather. I mean, it's just, it's really crazy. I, I'm, I've been playing with a little, <laughs> and I haven't even come close to what all you can do with it yet. Now, uh, the one caveat is that you are going to have to, for example, provide some information, login information to them, but it seems so common these days, and it's so easy right. to deauthorize and change that, like with, certainly with Facebook, it authorizes with Facebook using the authorization system. And then oh, so it's using the... Um yeah, what's it called? Correct. The, the login uh, credential service. Yeah. Right. So it 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 authorizes as an app for it, and then when you you know when you want to turn it off, you just go in and turn it off. So that's cool. Um. Oh, this is pretty neat. This is like all of that stuff. Like you remember, like a few years ago, you hear the uh, the, the the guy that has his washing machine tweet when when the 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 clothes are done. Right. It's like all of this stuff is that has been. So very manual a process to code. Oh, you remember the... This pi- kind of just makes it all just plug and play. Remember the pizza cam? You want to do a yeah, pizza, pizza cam yeah. in five seconds? Here's what you do. You just take a Wemo motion sensor and you put it in front of your door. And you put a, a standard webcam that has a, 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 an IP address accessible picture uh, yep. sitting there. And then you just set a uh, uh, you just set an action, you know, set a trigger for the Wemo motion. And the action is 
take the picture from this URL and do whatever the hell you want to do with it. Like post it to my Facebook. You could have it every time somebody shows up on your front door, you could post to Facebook, you know, it's a crap out of zone minder. <laughs> Damn right. You know, I mean, this is, this is, this is pretty sweet. I, I, it's ifttt.com. It's free. You can play with it. I'm gonna have to dig into this. It's got Google talk support as well. This is, uh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff you can do here. I know. I'm, I, I haven't even really kind of hit the heavy stuff yet, but wow. I think, I think you get link of the day, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty neat. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, I, I, it's, it seems less awesome at this point, but I, I found this other link where this, um, you remember the game missed? Oh Yeah. And and it had that um, the the premise behind it was that you know you open a book um, you you open a book and it's been written to link to another world and it's got that little picture frame with the video preview of the world you're going to. Yep, somebody made one of those. I know this is this is actually <laughs> this is pretty awesome. I remember when uh, Audra and I went to uh, went to Washington. I think it was it was it Washington where we was it New York. I can't remember when we uh, we, we saw the. Uh, um, uh, that video game exhibit. I think no, you were in, you were in Washington. It was in Washington, yeah, yep. and really cool. The, uh, the the video game exhibit they were showing um, a number of different. Yeah, it was totally Washington. It was like a number of different. Uh, the idea was to go through and show some of the history of video games, and one of the things that uh, that was included was Mist. But nice. even then, it was funny to me that that Mist didn't really get a lot of love like there was really yeah there no, were nobody was looking at it there were just there was like one kid you know well it's if you go back and play it it is very archaic if you played modern games because it's all uh you you i i remember like the the one that i really got into was riven which was the follow-up oh yeah and you 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 remember this big vast expansive world and you know beautiful scenery and stuff and when you go play it it is a, it's a literally a, a a card stack of single images with some animation overlaid over it and it it doesn't hold up to modern gaming standards but it was still light years ahead of anything else out there at the time. Um, Agreed. I. I I think that this is cool that the guy like basically just hollowed out a gigantic book, put a mini ITX motherboard in it and, and a little, uh, a little display. It's like what a five inch led backlit display and it looks pretty good. <laughs> so is it just a video running or is he running the game? Uh, you can run the game. You can play nice. the game. Nice. Okay. Yeah. You put the whole game in. <laughs> okay. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm not sure how well you could play it with the uh, resistive, five inch screen but uh <laughs> whatever you know i mean i mean it's, it's not really that higher it's not really lower res than what it was the game was built at i think it was built for 320 yeah, by 240 definitely. displays or something so you're not losing anything or if even if a 640 by 480 the screen does it i just thought it was really cool <laughs> now this is funny because uh the next item on the list here msn uh, msn messenger is finally dying uh, speaking of the 90s <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's amazing to me how many people still use these services. You know, I think that when you and I first started hanging out after the um after the the meetup, the first meetup, I think a lot of our original communication was over uh, MSN Messenger. I used to have to use it pretty heavily because uh a couple of clients used it. Right. 
you know so it was but i think even that has sort of fallen by the wayside now there are so many chat services that are are really popular and let's face it skype which is the replacement right now that microsoft has owned skype right Skype well, is what... really popular for that as well. I, in fact, I would venture to say that the vast majority of chat-based business communications I have are via Skype. Hmm. Yeah, and, and as well as there, there's also like professional services. Like Microsoft has a version of MSN that's actually just Office Communicator. It's called Office Communicator, right. rebranded so that way the messenger server is internal to the company. And then I've heard of other. Uh, different places that have like there's other third parties that do this as well. Sure. So I, I yeah, MSN I guess isn't as relevant. Then again, you know, there's a couple people I've met recently that are like, hey, do you have MSN? I'm like, no. I, I do if you really want. I'm not on it. No. <laughs> yeah, I should just say no. Um, but it looks like people that have MSN accounts will be able to log into Skype with those MSN accounts. So it actually looks like what they're doing is that they're taking Skype and moving it to like the the Windows slash live slash whatever they want to call it login system. Right. So they're they're it's it's actually more of a merge than just a migration. Well that's good news. That is. I mean hey, as long as I can keep my three buck a month North America plan with my old Skype account, that's I'm fine with that. But I would agree. I would agree, though I, I'll admit one thing that's a little frustrating uh, for me with Skype, especially in terms of business use, is that I have a Skype account that I paid for a phone number and I paid for, you know, dialing and everything. And unfortunately, oh, you Skype in and stuff, right? Well, yeah. So, so I need to use that account. But, uh, but the thing is, is that since it's kind of marrying a voice service and a chat service now, yeah. I, I think of those things differently. The voice service I use one way, but chat service, I want to be able to show myself as available and not available to different cross sections of people. And that's something that uh, Skype has never really allowed. So I mean, right, yeah, like or I'm not like I would like to maybe be there for work and not for my friends or there for my friends and not for work, you know? Right. Or like, for example, right now I'm on my uh my skype account and i just realized i should put it in do not disturb mode so i don't get any bleeps or anything right. like that do, do not but, disturb is handy but that's a it's a different problem but i can't put it into do not disturb mode until you call me because then i don't see your call <laughs> so yeah it's like can i have some you know granularity there's really here no reason no? not to because of the way the platform's used there's just no reason not to offer that you know right the the only problem is is that they the the current push with these companies is to take everything in a more simple direction less less options you know more recommended features and that kind of stuff so it's i don't see it happening anytime soon unfortunately yeah. Hey, we have a bunch of software updates, app and software updates. I know there are a lot more than this, but I, I've never seen any reason to like slav- slavishly list everything that <laughs> updates. But there are a couple well, of them. Let me throw the, uh, the Xbox Smart Glass in there at first. Uh, oh, yeah. That was awesome. I, I've been playing with that quite a bit. I first saw this as like one of the, one of the reasons you should get a Windows 8 tablet. And then I, re- and then I saw the update come out for my iPad. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. It is. I, I have used it uh, quite a bit uh, over the weekend, actually. I was playing with it. Okay. And I, as far as the remote control goes, it's quite effective. I mean, you can now swipe your way around the screen. That's cool. Which It's like a touch screen for a TV, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and we do that so much now with, at least you and I do, with other 
other stuff. I mean, I, I have a mini connected to my TV anyway, so I'm pretty yeah. used to using a remote, using my iPhone as a TV remote. So using it for the Xbox, awesome. Had no problem finding the Xbox. Uh, as long as it's signed in, you're good, it seems to. Yeah. Uh, one kind of big drawback is that there's no way to turn the Xbox on from the app. Oh, okay. So you still need a remote or to go physically switching on. Yep. So you got to you got to turn it on, but once you're on, you know, you can control it, which is good. If for no other reason then you can uh you can use it as a keyboard, which is awesome. See, that's cool. And actually that is the reason that um the next time I go up to my parents' place, I'm going to install this on all of their iOS devices. Yeah. Because they recently switched from using a boxy, which um to using the uh to using the Xbox for Netflix oh, okay. and having to type in titles Sucks. with that thing. Yeah. If they can just use a keyboard, uh-huh. then it, that, I saw that. And I'm like, okay, the next time I'm up there, I'm going to take that iPad that's always sitting on their coffee table and I'm going to put this app on there and then they can just type stuff in and because, you know, with the boxy, it had that keyboard on the back. So it is definitely not a finished service yet. I mean, I would venture to say that it's still a little a little tricky. There are times it can get hung yeah. up and and it, it's it's not uh, maybe not I would think re- fully ready for prime time. I I think it it probably has some hope though because yes. I, I one thing once Microsoft got on board with putting these apps out, they've been very good at keeping them up to date. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. And I was I was kind of heading that direction. I feel like it is not maybe perfect yet. But this is definitely heading in the right direction, and it's going to get better. Uh, they they played around with that other app. They had the Xbox Live app, essentially, which was well, they kind just of, migrated it straight into exactly, this one. <laughs> and it was sort of a little hit, a little miss. I mean, you could use it for messaging, which was kind of neat. But yeah. uh, like, if you're online, you're playing a game, and you get a message from somebody, you can look at your phone and check it out. Nice, you can still do that. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of using it as a using whatever device you have as a second screen for the Xbox, great idea. SmartQuest, really cool name. Uh, got to give it to them there. So, yep. Uh, and and the fact that they've got it on Windows 8, uh-huh. iOS, Android, and I'm going to have to guess Windows Mobile 8. Way to um, go. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Screw it. You know, be platform agnostic if you're really wanting to push this as the home theater center. You know, we have this, this companion app, which is this no, is perfect. Windows, Windows, I mean, Microsoft made their, you know, quadrillions by by making <laughs> by by being agno- hardware agnostic, by giving you the crap you need and, and letting you figure out the rest. And if it's a little yeah. bit smeggy, that's your problem, you know, and mm. and they're doing it again. And that's awesome. I think it's the right path for them. Yeah. Kudos uh, to them. On Hell yeah. Uh, the next is one a long time back. We mentioned the clear app, which is like a was was I, I've got to say now a dirt simple <laughs> uh, kind of neat interface that uh, it was a, a task list sort of thing, a checklist right. that, app that was designed for iOS that was like just super dirt simple. Like uh, it had a really unique interface like you you could pull down to add a, add something to a list. You could swipe left, uh, swipe right to complete, left to delete, you know. It, it was one of the very early post, you know, post non-touchscreen apps where it's like let's build it from the ground up as a touchscreen app and it's right. just built that way like you pull down to create a new item you don't have to hit a button or anything like that it's just you have these swipe functions just use them in the way that you need to yeah it's, and, it's pretty creative the trick is though that we always had recommended it sort of as if you're one of those people that uses very temporary low kind of how can i say it like 
It's true. Well, I use it for my own personal shopping list, and I can only do that because I don't have someone else that is shopping with me. Right. Absolutely. It's one of those things where uh, it doesn't it didn't share. So uh, but but and it didn't really offer any advanced features. You couldn't have due dates. You couldn't sort things. You can't. I mean, there's you just it's very simple. It does what it does. Dump crap in it and you check it off, you know, and I think that's handy for some people. They did add some functionality. In fact, you can now sync across iCloud. So if you have if you're running it on a couple of devices, uh, you can share them. Now, the trick is it's an iCloud sync, right? Mm-hmm. Which means this still isn't really good for sharing. No, no, not, it's it's this is more of sync amongst your own devices. And they released a Mac version. Now this this is going to be helpful for some people. Like if you're one yeah. of those people that just wants a simple list like that, but maybe you'd like to be able to see it on your desktop, you know, or your laptop, or both, and your device. This is going to help you. This update. On the other hand, if you're looking for the solution like maybe Juan is doing, but you want to share it with someone else in your family, you're still boned. Clear isn't your solution. Yeah, then you're still using something like reminders with the uh, list sharing or something like that, right? Also, the Mac version is 10 freaking bucks, which I... Yeah, that one kind of rubbed me the wrong way. That's... Yeah, I, I mean, come on. It's supposed I, to be I, a simple app. I think app. my high end on that might have been around five ninety nine. I don't even know if I'd have gone that high. I think it'd have been like two that, or three. And I mean, that's pushing it. Two that's like, okay, bucks. I'll get it. But no, nine ninety nine. I'm just... Pass. Yeah, for I mean, especially for what I'm using. It's yeah. like I can... The, the 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 downside of the Mac version is that the uh, the uh, app the uh, iPhone app is so simple for text entry that there's really no need for me for yeah, what I'm using right. it to have that list. So you if know, it were a couple I, of I don't bucks, it. it might be convenient. But honestly, oh yeah, if it was under a couple bucks, I would just get it just so I could see what it did. But right, but a little bit much for me. Uh, also, we have to mention uh, there was a significant Facebook app update. Uh, have you played with it yet? Um, not entirely. I did see that also they updated the Pages app as well. Yeah, which I, is I, nice. never, yeah. The Facebook app got a massive update. Now you have, you know how you could sort of swipe, you know, right and pull everything across and you got the menu down the left? So, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, now there's a little button you tap and it slides to the left and you see all of the people that are oh, you know, your friends okay. and everything. Yeah, I just I was following you along. It, and so this is like the chat interface. Then. Exactly. So you get a chat interface that you can now that's, see what's going on and get to things quickly. And that's good because at one point there were at like three different apps you'd need. You need a Facebook app, the Pages app, and the chat app. So yeah, it's getting, this is nice. It's getting a little crazy. So yeah, and there's more to that update, and there were some bug fixes and other things, but you can go look at that. I think this is the part anybody's really going to care about. Uh, this is one of those apps that just every time they release it, it, it seems in recent memory, they've been getting better. Whereas, you know, a lot of times you get apps that kind of just either lose their way or try something drastic to, you know, you know, let's try this new Twitter interface. And then it's like some people's user features get lost in the mix. But Facebook just seems to really have been refining this with each time around. And, uh, it's it's still really fast even on like i've got an iphone 4 and it's and it's it's pretty quick yeah so uh yeah i'm a fan oh evernote 5 for ios also came out as well oh um, I, I saw yes i haven't I, played with it i yet. have 
Okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and I haven't spent as much time as I probably will with it. I had sort of avoided the iOS version of Evernote, <laughs> okay. except for really basic tasks. Uh, yeah. Because like looking for something maybe to pull it up to see it. Uh, or sometimes I stuff things into an easy to access folder just to have them available on the iPhone. Right, right. Or, or iPad. But now the new version is uh, is dramatically better. It has uh, a new interface, which is kind of cool. Uh, you you now have like a little pull down that you can drop, and you see vertical tabs, which mm-hmm. allow you to sort by places, tags, and and to access notebooks. It is now a slightly easier, though still by no means easy, to uh, um, to move notes between folders, which is sort of frustrating. Oh, because okay. one thing I would really like to be able to do is quickly move things from one folder to another when I'm bored or stuck somewhere, being able to go in and sort my inbox into the places it needs to go, which I can't really comfortably do yet. So uh, anyway, more on this later, but in the meantime... Uh, it is a significant update, just like the uh, just like the desktop version. And if you're yeah, heavy, I, I, Evernote- saw, I also saw there was a new beta of the Evernote five uh, yep. for the desktop yep. out. As Mostly well. bug fixes. Yep. Um, but yeah, if you're if you are a heavy Evernote user, you probably need to get this if you haven't already. Uh, I'll guilt- guiltily admit that uh, when I need to send things to Evernote when I'm mobile. I'll, I have a bookmark entry for Evernote, and I just send myself an email or a contact entry. So I just send Evernote an email, and it just puts it in. Oh, yeah. As a Agreed. Note. Agreed. It's like, I don't even bother. I skip right over the app and just go straight into my mail app. It's like, if I want to send something to OmniFocus or to Evernote, I just go straight in there and just whatever. Hey, worth knowing, uh, for Evernote, if you're sending in, um, if you're sending emails in, in the uh uh, in the subject line, if you you can use the at sign to specify a folder, ooh, and, and it'll go okay. right into a folder. So, like if you have a Modern Geek folder, you can put at Modern Geek in the in the uh, in the subject. Oh, I'll have to try that out. That's cool. Also, you can use hashtag for um, you can use hashtag for tags. So, like if you want to, like for example, one of the things I've done is I have a folder for uh, for work that I just kind of dump everything into, but then I, I tag them by client. So you can just hashtag it and it'll, it'll show. Oh, up. I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, so that's cool. Kind of neat. We have some voicemail that we should probably get to. Indeed. Let's take the first call here. I check in one. This is splat. See, I have a question. Um, <clears throat> I just was reading a review about this product called liquid armor, invisible screen protector by Dynafall. I'm wondering if you guys had heard anything about this or used it at all. I'm, I'm just curious if it really does what it says. I mean, they show you a little video on the site, but you can never tell. So just curious. Thanks. I haven't personally used this stuff. Um, I've seen demos of it. Um, the, only, the, the thing I would really worry about with something like this would be the warranty of the device itself. Like as to whether or not putting on this kind of um, kind of coating to the screen is actually going to, you know, depending on it, maybe it voids a warranty or something like that. I, I don't know. It seems cheap enough and I've, I've heard good things about it, but I'm, I'm always a little paranoid about stuff like that. 
I agree. It, and, and I have not tried it, so I, I can't really speak to it directly. But I am always very leery of relatively permanent um, yeah. changes to a device, especially one that has significant optics already. You know, well, and I don't know. People always give me crap for this, but I, I've, I mean, the last three iPhones that I've had, um, I don't run them with a screen protector. I mean, I have a rubberized oh, case have, around yeah. it. And I mean, it's like, I, I don't know if it's just that I'm pocketing it differently or something like that, but I, I mean, I've, I've dropped it on my keys and stuff like that, and I never really get any scratches. And what's great about not running a, a screen protector over top of that is if you want to clean the screen, you just, you know, like wipe it on the knee of your jeans for three seconds and, and the whole screen is clean. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've never seen the, the need for it beyond. I don't know. I think just a better case. Like if you're worried about protecting it, just get something that's not going to, that's going to let the, uh, um, the, the corners of the, the glass make, make sure the corners of the glass don't take any impact damage. And that's really where you get the problems. Agreed. Uh, hey, guys. This is Tamara uh, Jackson Forum. Uh, Robert, my name. Uh, I was calling because I just got a new uh, iPhone 4S since they went on sale um, at a cheaper price because the 5 just came out. And uh, I actually, my wife has had a 4 for a while, and I wanted to set up a list like you guys had said. Um, I think Chuck had mentioned about setting up a list um, that you can share the grocery list. It sounded like a great idea, but actually, when I went to go do it, I couldn't uh, do it any longer because it seems like they updated the iCloud website and they pulled reminders out of the calendar. And now they don't have any way of connecting to um, connecting to to share your to share your list with anybody. So I'm not sure if, if you know anybody else had that problem, or if, if maybe I'm just not seeing it. But I can't seem to figure out. And it looked like. I Googled to see if anybody else had that problem, and it seems like Apple just did away with that whole idea. Um, unless you have Mountain Lion, you can you can get to it through there. So, um, any any help with that uh, would be appreciated. Uh, thank you, and I think you guys are doing a great job. Thanks. Bye. Okay, that's an interesting one. I do have Mountain Lion, and I don't have any problems seeing it. I think that might be it. Is that it? I think what he's saying is that the ability to set up that initial sharing. Ah. Uh. From iCloud's site, I think they pulled it out of there. Oh, that sucks. So that way, you, uh, the unfortunate result is you need a Mac to set this up in the first place, which... That's lame. That I, is I, lame. I'll just go right on. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll Speaking of that. feature sets being removed. <laughs> we'll look into that further. Um, yeah. But in, in the meantime, that does appear to be the case. I can tell you that I, I had to set mine up on the Mac to start with. So it, it looks like you can... Still do it that way, but if you don't, you might be screwed. I wonder if you could actually have somebody else do it for you. That's an interesting idea. I mean, that's, oh, like just temporarily connect to your iCloud on a yeah, Mac. And I am by no means suggesting that's that's a reasonable way to do it. But you know what the hell? If you've got but, all the hey, data. in a pinch, you could have someone take their Mac and set you up a new user account on there with its own iCloud or something like that, and maybe temporarily do it. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Interesting. Yeah. Hi, Chuck. One. Uh, this is uh, Bob from Central Connecticut, uh, where, where it's very windy and soon to be very stormy, but I've got a, a generator with a full tank and, uh, and, and 10 extra gallons of gas, so I'm, I'm ready for whatever comes our way. Um, and I've loaded up my, uh, my, my podcasting app with, with just about every back, uh, 
episode of, of everything I listen to in in the hopes that uh, you know that that if I do lose power, I at least have something to listen to. Um, I wish that was an Apple uh, podcasting application, though. I've uh, recently lost access to my uh, personal uh, Apple device, and uh, I'm now on an Android platform. And frankly, there just isn't another another um, you know similar um, application uh, that has the same simplicity, the same aesthetics as that Apple uh, app. Um, you know, simplicity and aesthetics. That's that's the brand, and this thing hits it right on the head. Um, you know, I only listen to about 15 podcasts. I don't need the advanced features. I don't need to be doing some of the things that 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 uh, you know some of the other applications offer. Um, and I think a lot of apps fall into that trap. You know, focus on your core. Don't try to be more than you are, uh, and and just be great at what you do. Uh, and I think that that Apple application does that. Um, and I for one, I love the real real aesthetic. Uh, uh, it uh, harkens back for me to when I was a boy and would trade audio tapes with my father when he was uh, when he was in Vietnam. So uh, that's kind of kind of a cool uh, little little bit of nostalgia for me. And one, if you slide your thumb down on it, you bring the cover art right back. So I, at least I think I maybe I'm just making it up in my memory. I don't know for sure, but give it a try, see what happens. Um, guys, great job! I love this podcast, uh, and looking forward to the next and the next and the next. And there we have it. Two minutes. <laughs> um, Good job. First of, first of all, this one did come in a while back, so um, let us know if you're still doing all right. Um, Indeed. I hope, I hope everything's uh, going well. I know a lot of GWCers were uh, affected by this. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I, I wanted to bring this one in because I got uh, – we actually got a couple voicemails about this. Um, I think my review of the podcasts app from Apple was a little biased on the power user side. Okay. Um, I, I think that he hits the nail right on the head here is that the, uh, that it's kind of, it, it is a very simplistic and easy to use app. And for maybe a, a large majority of people who aren't as, as I, I would say, you know, that just want something that just works and maybe aren't looking for the power user features that I have um, on like a uh, Instacast, I would say that it, it, it's probably pretty good. Um, I also did not know about the uh, the slide down to get the album artwork. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> I'll chalk good. that up to not having played around with it as much as I should have, I think. Well, I was just thinking, I mean, the closest, I, I know Stitcher has an app for Android and, and not right. having a device. I have to ask Sean about it. I know Sean has a, an Android tablet. Uh, he's an Apple phone, but he has an Android tablet. And uh, I, I think with Stitcher, it's got to be podcasts in the stitcher library right so well, you're not going to get 100 yeah. percent of everything right i was going to say i mean ours are at least so you you yes. could listen to ours there if you wanted to um but i'll admit i have not been a big stitcher fan just because of that like i want to manage i want to be able to mix and match and and that that stops it i'll ask we'll, we'll, i'll ask around and and uh, see if we can't find something but uh yeah i i have to admit i do use the podcast app and i have to admit that it's kind of replaced uh um instacast for me mainly because oh. i'm not really a power user when it comes to podcasts i tend <laughs> to just like get a wild hair to listen to something and then i listen to it and i forget about it right and and therefore it's fine for me and it works okay uh it doesn't sync well it doesn't really keep track of anything. i mean but then instacast I, never did either so i kind of like yeah. oh, okay whatever you know? i mean the, the syncing is is never been good on any of these no. so i i'm not i'm not going to hold that one against it 
Uh, I think, though, that we are heading toward a world where we expect our devices to talk to each other and make some damn sense out of apps like that. And oh. uh, I think everybody's going to have to head in that direction. We should probably wrap up. Yeah. Um, wanted to give a thanks to we had uh, quite a few other voicemails. Yeah, we can uh, take some more next week. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, thanks. Uh, keep sending them in. And uh, we'll keep playing. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. 214-296-9229. We'd love to put some calls in each podcast. So give us a ring and we'll do our best with them. And you can also email us as well. Yep. That would be uh, at Juan at GalacticWaterCooler.com or Chuck at GalacticWaterCooler.com. Indeed. And uh, we'll see you next week. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. You'll find other GWC podcasts, as well as the friendliest people in geekdom, on the GWC website and forum, galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.